Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to professional services, we know there are key markers in our life. When we're buying a house, we might engage the services of a conveyancer. When we want to sue someone, we might call a lawyer. Every year, if we've got some complex financial issues or we don't know how to do our own tax online, we'll see an accountant. When we want to get a mortgage for our new home or our next home, we'll see a mortgage broker. But when do we see a financial advisor? What do we expect when we see a financial advisor? Well, today, all we're doing is answering your questions about financial advice, when to see an advisor, what they do, how they work. And today I'm joined by Cara Williams. She is a financial advisor with sufficient funds who have helped so many listeners all over Australia of this podcast with their own financial planning needs. Cara, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Glenn. Welcome to Brisbane. Thank you. Now, you've been on our show before when we've done live events, so I guess welcome back to the podcast. Thank you. Now, we are in an open area, so you might hear a bit of background noise, uh, but you'll be in good hands all along the way. Now, we can't do this episode without our friends at Global X. That's right. These ETFs are domiciled in Australia, so you don't have to worry about any of those international tax forms and all that painful stuff. So if you want to add a little bit of spice to your portfolio, perhaps some themes to your portfolio, you can buy GlobalX ETFs wherever you buy your ASX-listed securities and ETFs. Thanks, GlobalX, for supporting my millennial money. Now, Cara, are you ready to have a chat about all these hard questions? I sure am. I'm really excited to answer them. All right. Well, let's get into it. Rightio. So, what I want to start with, Cara, there was some key trends and themes in all the questions in the Facebook group. There was, I don't know, almost 100 questions from different people asking about what does a financial advisor do? When do I see a financial advisor? What do I expect? All that stuff. There were some key trends with the questions. So, the first kind of section that I want to talk about is, you know, what do you cover and are you transactional? Do I have to be committed to you forevermore? Amen. So let's just start. We're just going to get right into it. Kate asks the question, is it reasonable to expect to have a financial advisor across all of your investments? Or do you have a financial advisor for your super and share market stuff? And then do you do the property stuff with the property team, like a mortgage broker or someone like John Pigeon, buyer's agent, buyer's advocate, etc.? So client comes to you, Cara. They've got a heap of stuff going on. Do you demand that you are the gatekeeper of all things money in their life? How do you work and what generally happens in the money world? Yeah, that's a great question. And something that people ask all the time is what do we actually specialize in? What areas can we help them with? 
I look at it as in we are very holistic as part of your situation. So looking at first and foremost, and we can talk about this in a little bit, but stepping back and not getting into solution mode straight away, but talking about what's important to you first. In relation to the areas of advice, definitely can look after super and investment. And when it comes to the property side of things, that is something that a lot of the community that I work with are working towards is property purchases. Maybe it's their first home and investment, their second property, family home, things like that. From a financial perspective, absolutely, we can run through what does actually look like financially on paper, but taking in consideration everything else. Where I draw the line is I can't give you advice on what to buy or where to buy. So that's where we can point you in the right direction of, do you need to chat to a mortgage broker? Is a buyer's agent going to be someone that's going to be really valuable as part of your situation? So facilitating those introductions. Um, That doesn't stop there with property. It could be you need help from an accountant. It could be you need an estate planning solicitor. So it's almost like we're project managing those things, but helping you guide of when to reach out to those people. It's a good point because I used to tell people jokingly in the quote unquote financial world, an investment property or a property asset class, residential property asset class is no different than a block of steak knives. It's not a financial product, quote unquote. A property doesn't have a PDS or a TMD, a block of steak knives doesn't either. But if you've got a goal in your life to buy a $500,000 set of steak knives, we can factor what that looks like in, but we'll help you um, and introduce you to the most appropriate team to help you optimize that block of steak knives. That's I a ter- that. it's terrible, but <laughs> but it's just it's, true, it's yeah. not a financial product, and that's the whole kicker. That's it. There's another question here. Wendy says we have a financial advisor specifically for our self-managed super fund, but at what stage should we engage a financial advisor for our personal goals, or? should be actually talking to the same people on all fronts. We have a mortgage, shares, one child, uh, currently meeting our savings targets, but keen for a professional to double check we are on the right track in general. So do you want to maybe speak to that one? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So one of the things that stands out for me is before you even engage a financial advisor, one of the other questions was around what sort of questions you ask. And to to cover off on one of those questions as well is ask what your financial advisor actually specialises in. What are they accredited to actually give advice on? What are they licensed to give advice on? What's their experience? Because the advice world can vary very differently from advisor, from businesses to businesses. So for example, some financial advisors aren't accredited to give advice on SMSFs. So that's one of the first key takes there. I feel, to be honest, one person looking after everything is the way to go because you just want to make sure that they're across everything, they're understanding the full picture and there's no sort of competing priorities or views and things like that. But also in terms of uh, continuity and scale of fees, like if there was a fee to manage the superannuation portfolio and then a fee to do some work on goals, you might get more scale seeing the one person, right? That's right. And that's probably a good uh, takeaway as well for couples. I have seen couples where maybe they're still in that stage where they are doing things very individually Mm. and perhaps they are both seeing different financial advisors. Now, if we start talking about joint goals, then it's like, okay, what if we're planning one thing this end and then the other advisor is doing something different? Let's get scandalous for a second. I I would basically say to Wendy, go back to your current advisor and at you know, I just read here is that they might just manage a direct share portfolio or some type of platform in the self-managed super fund. My next question is why have you got a self-managed super fund if there's no property? But anyway, we won't, we won't go there. Go back to that advisor and say, hey, do you offer this type of coaching or overall health check? 
Now, you might even have a look on their website. If they don't say it on their website, they probably don't do it. The thing I'm more interested about, Cara, is if that advisor got their little panties in a pickle or knickers in a knot or something like that and start to get weird because you want something that they don't really offer and they'll kind of do it anyway to keep like you Mm. can't be messing around with that like for the betterment of the client that advisor needs to say hey we actually don't do that and not feel threatened that they're going to go somewhere else. Absolutely. And we have ethical obligations to be able to call that out when we see it. And I personally have no issue with saying that to a a client if they come to me and I'm like, look, we're just not the right fit. But X, Y, and Z, these people can help you. So they need to be true to themselves. At the end of the day, that client advisor relationship is a team and you need to be able to see the value from both ends in terms of the value from an advisor to be able to help the client and be honest about that when it comes to possibly not be able to add that value anymore. Yeah. So question if Julie said, I have thought about using one, but unsure what they do. Some people said they just sell products. I want advice on what we should do. I have an 18 month break from work due to illness and finances need to get back in order. My super has had no, my super has had no contributions in that time. They are the sort of things I'd like to discuss. So I'd like to know what their role is. And Daniel followed to say, are you independent? And will you look at my situation on a macro scale? I.e. I'm not interested in what you can sell me. I'm interested in how we can work together while I learn more. So look, some big stuff in those questions. Mm. It's not the 80s, 90s or early 2000s anymore. Yep. Sign an advice document on the boot of a car. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's seriously, and you know, all through other forums, Reddit, all that stuff, there is such a bad name with people thinking advisors just flogging crap. May have been a high percentage of that happening before, but it just doesn't happen now because particularly with investment products, there are no built-in commissions to any superannuation and investments. That's right. It's a literally investment coaching, all that fee for service. You pay a fee, you get a service. Mm. So talk to Julie's point. Are those like she's had a lot happening in the last few years? What would you do if Julie reached out and wanted a, a, a chat with you or one of your team members at Sufficient Funds? Yeah, I think the first point is reaching out to have an intro call because I think making sure that you find someone who you're comfortable with, who you vibe with, it's the right fit. They can offer you the service you're looking for and um, you like them at the end of the day. Everyone's got different personalities. You have to gel well because you are speaking about things that are pretty personal and you're you're not speaking about this with your family and friends most of the time. The first thing I would make sure we let them know in that process of that 15-minute call is this is who we are, this is what we do, this is the process. And for us, taking a step back from even looking at any products whatsoever, we actually have our first session together. So that's what we call our Defining Sufficient session. Uh, It's a 90-minute Zoom. Uh, We work all over Australia, so we run everything virtually. And in that session, we are taking a step back from any solutions, any strategies, any products. We're not getting to the deep end of that just in that session. That is really, truly understanding the client, what's important to them, what do you want life to look like over the next 12 months? Maybe it's five years or beyond that. And get really, really clear about what you want that to look like. And I'm not just talking about from a financial perspective, it could be family goals, travel, work, property, absolutely anything that's important to you. And we don't even start talking about like, oh, you should invest in X, Y, and Z because completely, at that stage, it's completely irrelevant. And you can get investment products anywhere. That's it. 
that's yeah. you know it's what do you want to do and as you said like <laughs> if you don't gel with the person that's okay that's it yeah and that's again coming back to the point of you just need to be honest about that and I encourage people have a call with a few different advisors because every business is different um, their personality is different and you want to feel comfortable before investing in that process for yourself so you know most advisors will take that 15 minute call and just have a, a brief chat like any business will take a brief call like I can call a I can drop into my new motor mechanic in a new town and just chat and go hey I've got a car you know what's your vibe what do you think and they're not going to charge me right like mm. it's just part of being a professional or having a business yeah but if I do want to proceed and get a bit down and dirty and you said you do the 90 minute um defining sufficient session is that a paid session or is that complimentary? It is a paid session. So that 90 minutes, we cover a lot and there's a lot of value with that as a standalone session in itself. Uh, the cost for that session is $440. And in that session, clients and the feedback we get is they get a lot of clarity around not just getting a bit of a brain dump happening, but just having someone completely independent from their situation to talk about it, to be like, oh, have you thought of this? Have you thought of that? And using us as a sounding board, it is a general advice session. So there might be some general questions of like, hey, how does super work from a general sense? And of course we can go through those kind of things. And so there is a lot of value in those sessions without even starting to talk about the solution. And is that um, at the moment, and if you're listening to this in five years time, it probably won't be 440 anymore, <laughs> but like, so, you know, that $400, 440, is that for couples or individual? This session, whether it's single, couple, yeah, family. Awesome. So after that session, what actually happens? They've paid the fee they've done a 90 minute session and I'm just everyone I'm just talking what happens in Kara's business other advisors may operate different but we've got a live one in the boat here so we'll ask her what happens after that session it usually goes one of two ways Glenn so we might have that session and I might look at their situation and their goals and say you're absolutely killing it you're doing really well these are the different areas that you need to start thinking about perhaps that's you need to go and speak to your mortgage broker because really the only thing you need to action here is refinancing your mortgage or going to speak to a mortgage broker about buying that first time because you're ready to go mm. and maybe if it's that scenario they come back in six months or 12 months when that next big goal is that they're working towards is needing to be addressed at that point. So that's kind of path number one. Path number two is we look at it and go, there's a lot of plates spinning here. There's a lot of goals. There's some really cool things that you're wanting to work towards. Advice is the way to go. And you are definitely going to get value from receiving financial advice to make this all happen. And then at that point, would you give them um, what fees are required to proceed down that advice road? That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be honest, it just depends on the complexity and what's involved with that plan. So we really clearly map that out about what are the next steps forward from here? What would that look like specific for your situation and what is the cost? I can say the cost is not in the hundreds, it is in the thousands, which is something just to be mindful of, but we can always discuss that and it's something that you can factor in as part of proceeding. Have you ever done um, these defining sufficient sessions? And we've actually played them on the podcast before and I'll, I'll get James who lives um, near me in Newcastle to, to get someone who wants a defining sufficient session. So, hey, maybe if you're a couple and you're living in Newcastle and you want some financial advice, do you want to volunteer to come to my house with James, who's in uh, Kara's team, and we'll record a session? And I'll tell James he can do it for free or something. But yeah, email team at sortyourmoneyout.com. You've got to be um, a couple in Newcastle 
who hasn't had financial advice who wants a session. So, and we'll see if we can do one. But have you ever said after one of these sessions with a couple, um, you don't need financial advice, you need some relationship advice or you need to get on the same page here before there's before you should even invest in any financial advice? Oh, that's a good one. It does come up now and again where couples are completely on different pages and sometimes they call it out and they have a bit of a laugh about it and they're like, this is why we're here. It's um, almost like counselling. Some others really don't understand that they do need to get on the same page before they make it happen. It is beneficial getting advice, but if you're not committed and I can't make those decisions for you at the end of the day, I can't tell you what's important to you. So if you have big competing priorities and goals, that is something that you do need to discuss. And I feel like that defining sufficient session really helps Mm. with that process. If we do get to the end of it and they just cannot agree, that's where I do send them away and say, you need to talk about this between yourselves. Um, We can get a little bit more clear on that in the second session. Once you've had a bit more of a discussion about it, most people will come back and go, okay, we've compromised or one person is one. (laughs) And I think the reason why um, I trust uh, sufficient funds with a lot of um, my listeners is because there isn't this desperation. We've got to sell financial plans. We've got to sell product and all this stuff. It literally is like you guys have so much going on that you're too busy and focused on working with clients that are ready for advice and need advice rather than just, you know, having this big factory, like taking the time and working out what people's goals are, right? That's it. And to be honest, like, and to be quite frank, there's absolutely no incentive for me whatsoever Mm -hmm. if we go with one product over the other. It makes no difference to me. What makes me really happy as part of my job is when I get those calls from clients being like, hey, I'm going to propose to my girlfriend or, hey, we put a contract on this house. Like, that makes me really happy hearing Mm -hmm. the work that we've done together and the hard work that they've put in to see those outcomes. So that's what I get out of it. I don't get anything else. To be honest, yeah. The next kind of theme that we saw in the Facebook group with all the questions was when to reach out and where is the value of financial advice. And we'll talk about that right after this break because I need to earn some money so I can get more financial advice. Okay, we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, the first one um, in this section, when to reach out slash where is the value. Alex asked, at what stage in your life should you get financial advice? For example, we are in our 30s, have a mortgage and children on the way. I'm about to go on maternity leave and be on half pay, but we have goals to buy a new house, caravan and boat. When should we get advice on how to make this all work? So what would you say to Alex? Alex, the time is now. So Mm. they are awesome, awesome goals and very similar to a lot of people in the community that we help. What is something that I get very often in those 15-minute intro calls is there's so many things that we're trying to work towards, we just don't know how to make it happen. One thing that I think these days that's much more readily available than what it has been in the past is things like podcasts and finance books and groups and forums and things like that. So we're lucky to have so much information about things like that individually. But when people try to then piece it together, that's where it becomes overwhelming. You get the analysis paralysis and you need someone else to come in and go, these are the things that are important to us. These are what we want that to look like. How do we make that happen? So these are very common things that people in the My Millennial Money community and other people at that sort of stage of life are working towards. The value of advice of where that kind of comes in is first of all, coming into that first session with these are the things that we're wanting, us getting really deep and digging on those goals. And then for me to start working on a plan to go, this is what we need to do to how to make that work. One of the really valuable pieces of our financial plans and where we get a lot of the good feedback on is really detailed forecasting and projections. So one thing that happens when you get your financial plan and where I hear a lot of clients go, oh my God, that's like where the penny sort of drops is seeing that all come together and you can really clearly see mapped out every single year, that's when we're buying the new house, that's when we're buying the caravan, that's when we're buying the boat. Maybe there's a year in there that you look at going, oh, that's a bit tight for our liking. So Mm, let's pull the boat forward six months or we don't really need to spend 100 grand, maybe let's go 60. And that's where you can start to make those decisions and go into those decisions fully informed knowing what that looks like so you're not second guessing yourself. So you've got that in front of you. And that's where I really see the value of that. And do you think it's also about triaging goals and just having a third party sounding wall? Because at the end of the day, like you just want your clients and the people that are sitting across the Zoom video from you to be getting after the life that's of value to them. You don't care if they value a boat or a caravan. You just want everything to work together um, and also kick some financial goals while they're at it. That's it. And coming back to some comments before around, I'm not going to tell you what's important to you. You tell me and I'll help Mm. you make it work. Yeah. Um, Another common part about that is I do get people coming and saying, oh, I spoke to another advisor a few years ago and they said, I have to buy a house or I should invest in this, but just wasn't really what I wanted. And I'm like, if you don't want to buy a house, let's not buy a house. Like, doesn't matter. You said one thing about like, where is the value? It's so important. I went, I took a, um, a widow in my life. Uh, her husband died. I took her to a couple of financial advisors and just went with her meet and greet and all that stuff. It was actually in America. I wasn't here. Otherwise, I would have sent her to you. But within five minutes, the meeting started. Old mate was at it. He never asked once, like, what do you want your life to look like over the coming years? Like, what are you here for? Like, what? It was, old mate died. You've got money. Let's get into solution mode. Just totally missed the point. 
And that was a non-starter for me. But anyway, I rant because I just get so enraged when people go to advisors and there's no EQ. There's like just... Yeah. And I think, look, whatever is important to the clients, as long as they understand the consequences of their actions or decisions, then that's fine. If they know I'm going to go and change careers, but it's 20 grand less and they can see that means that we're going to have to reduce investing. And then this is the outcome in one year, five years, 10 years, whatever, or the impact are the goals. That's okay for them to make that decision if they can see that. And that's important to them and it aligns with their values. So I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. Tammy asked... Can you benefit from seeing a financial advisor when you are completely out of debt, have an emergency fund, don't have any savings or investments beyond that? Aim would be to work out a strategy for funds moving forward. I would think you would need to save for the financial advice fees beforehand. And then she responded um, that she bought a house, no other investments, not much savings. And when I saw a financial planner to tell us slash guide us what to do next. He said, pay off the house and then come back to see me when you're 50 years old. Probably terrible advice. Just made us feel too poor to benefit from his help. I mean, to me, that just screams about going to someone who doesn't look after a millennial. Yep. I've had people call up for a time and advice and straight away I say, I don't say, no, sorry, that's it. No, see you later. I go, I'm not the right person, but this person works in that space. So Mm. not terrible advice, but just not good guidance. So they they should have said I'm not the right person because I deal with retirees. Yeah. So, okay. In that situation, do you think for someone like Tammy who they got their mortgage, they've got no consumer debt, they've got an emergency fund. You know, and there was another question, you know, Joel said, what value can an advisor offer to an everyday Australian between age 35 with the average super balance and salary? Like everyday Australian, most people who listen to this podcast, do you think it is about coming together with a third party and even having that strategic third person looking in and seeing if they can help you optimize and extract goals and put some type of framework together? Absolutely. And the value of that first session can really unpack that. Mm. Um, I think at that sort of stage of life where you don't have debt, you have an emergency fund, maybe not much savings, not many investments, things like that. I actually think it's a pretty pivotal point because you've got so much opportunity to go, okay, well, where to from here? Where can we fine tune things? Where Mm. can we start to build that and accumulate it? There are some people that go, oh, I really want this advice, but I'm just going to give it a couple of months to save that fee before I kickstart, but I'm keen. And maybe that's the decision you can make after that 15-minute phone call or after that first defining sufficient session. So I think there is a very big myth out there that you have to be old or you have to be wealthy to get financial advice. Mm. I've had people with like $5,000, $10,000 to their name and by the time they've finished going to plan, finished getting advice, that will then put them on a such better path than they were on before they came and saw us. And what do you think the key things are? Is it someone looking into their life and saying, hey, your current, I'll just use cash flow, your cash flow doesn't look optimized. If you have some type of system, you'll absolutely be able to extract more money. And then what if we started an investment account? What if we, I don't know, like I really see financial advice in the points where there isn't, a big inheritance and there's, you know, some big tax strategy and all the sexy nerd out strategy work. It's almost like you can do a lot yourself with good financial habits, you know, investing, investment app, maybe sacrifice to super. You might have this base level amount of financial knowledge. You read my book, you've done all the good stuff, 
sure, you might not need an advisor, but I guess what I'm saying is I can watch Pilates on YouTube and do it at home, but I get such a better result when I go to the session with a physical person there keeping me accountable and actually having a third-party view at what I'm doing. We can just move on. <laughs> I was going to say, there was actually another question that says, oh, do it, yeah. um, what do you wish all of your clients knew? And it was kind of the one of the questions I thought when you were just speaking about that then, because I feel like some people might think that financial advice or having an advisor is the magic pill. And it's it helps. It does definitely help to have that plan to get that professional opinion and advice. But there, there needs to be a commitment to the process yourself or yourself. So financial advice is not a magic solution to make things work if you need to be willing to put in the effort. So I guess the gym analogy, right? Like I could have a personal trainer and you know, I show up for an hour a week and I you know, try my best in that session. But if I'm not going away outside of every other hour in that session, putting the hard work in myself, then that personal trainer can't do anything for me. Then They're not able to work out on my behalf or eat more clean on my behalf. So it's similar sort of thing. I can't do the heavy lifting on your end. I can help guide you. I can help make sure things are changed when they needed to and support you and adjust things. But you also need to be willing to put in that hard, the hard yards as well. Yeah. I mean, Caitlin also said, when do you know when you need to see one? I told someone my current situation, saving for a home deposit, early career, etc. And they said, I may not need their services yet. So I want to be clear, like I'm pro-professional, mortgage broker, financial advisor, accountant, solicitor. Everyone doesn't need a financial advisor every step of the way at all times. There is a a strong, and I'm pro-advice, like all the financial advisors listening are probably like, how dare you say that? But no, let's get real. Like it could be Caitlin says, look, my current goal is I want to save for a home deposit. Just focus 100% on that. Now, it might be worth getting some insurance, which I think you do need to see an advisor for, but it could be get your career established, get your home deposit sorted, back to that, you know, get to the place where you are like Tammy, where <laughs> you've got the house, you've got no debt, you've got a, an emergency fund. Now, what do I want my life to look like? Yeah. And I think that 15 minute call or the intro call you have with an advisor can help you make that decision. And quite often I will say to people, yeah, you, you're in a great position. You don't need to come to us or mm. um, tell me about your, you know, where you're up to with saving for your first home. Maybe they've got a really cracking spending plan and that's pretty much kicking along, good to go. And they're almost ready to buy a house and it's not something that I can help them with. And I would say to them, you know, how, where your insurance is at, because if something does happen, then that money is all going out the window. So yeah, yeah. those little areas, maybe they go and see someone to get their insurances done first and then they come back around um, to the holistic part later down the track as new goals are coming in. And as an example, like your business, you won't even do insurances, only you'd send that over to like Skywell for someone like that. Yeah. If it's just insurance on its own, we mm. will send that out to an advisor and a business that would specialize in just insurances. Um, we do offer insurance advice as part of a holistic plan though. Yeah. Awesome. So before we get on to the next section, like the preparation before seeing an advisor, I just really want to call out that if in doubt, pick up the phone, have a chat, like go to sufficientfunds.com.au, we'll put a link in the show note, like in just 15 minute chat, bounce your situation off them. Like I trust them explicitly enough to not screw people. So that sounds crass, but it's true. Like you will legitimately tell people if you don't think they're ready. And that's half the battle because 
everyone in the sufficient funds business, that's why I'm really selective with what advisors I get on the podcast because it's not car salesperson desperation and needing to just sell plans and you know what I mean? So the next kind of theme was preparation. Tash said, when preparing to meet with a financial advisor, what are some of the things I should prepare and think about prior to this? Uh, Alessandra said, how should we prep for the first meeting so we get the most value out of uh, yours and their time? And Wendy Nutt came back with another question. What documents should we have ready at an initial appointment? So assuming you've had the 15-minute call and someone said, yeah, we think this goal session is probably the first step. What would you say that they get ready in terms of your process with that 90-minute goal setting session? Well, goal setting, general advice or whatever you want to kind of call it. Yeah, defining what sufficient means to them, Glenn. Yes, that's right. (laughs) Um, So we actually send them, once they've booked in that session, we send them a questionnaire link and they complete that prior to the first session. And in that, it captures personal details, assets, liabilities. It also gets them to jot down just a few things that they are wanting to work towards in the next sort of 12 months or now, next one to five years, five plus years. So I always just suggest put a couple of dot points in. You don't have to worry about putting paragraphs and paragraphs because we will go through that in the session, but just some general information so we're not spending time data gathering in that session. Yeah. So, and just on that, and and the reason I, I want to just kind of camp on these little points is it should be theoretically the same with every advice practice. I mean, for this first session, you're not, like if someone had $70,000 in super, you don't need them to log in and look $72,158. You just need a broad... Just approximately, yeah. Yeah, I don't need statements or transactions yeah. and or anything. I guess what I'm saying is just for your process in that initial meeting, it's just more of a macro, you know, put it out on the table what your current situation is. That's right. Roughly, yeah. Yes. Okay, so they do the questionnaire, then you've got a bit of a roadmap. Following that session, if there is a need for actual financial advice what then would they need to prepare? So our process is in that sort of data gathering, but in a lot more depth. So that's when we start to get them to upload pay slips. Maybe we're looking at tax returns. Maybe there is research to be done on superannuation. Well, there always is. And so we'll start to get things like advisor, third-party authorities. So we can call super funds or look at their existing investments or insurances to get all of the full rundown, which is much more extensive than what you can generally get from a statement and start to paint that picture of what is their current situation like. So then I can start to put together my research and start to look at what are the actual strategies? What are the products involved? Are we making changes? Are we retaining? Mm. All of those decisions are start start to be considered from that point. So it's, it's probably really important as well, like that first initial 90 minute session that you do, you're not asking for like copies of statements and personal information either because it is more about the client wanting to extract as much information out of them as possible. That's right. The only thing I really deep dive in in terms of where they're currently at is the cash flow. I like to get a really good understanding of what's their current system, where do we need to kind of go from there because I see cash flow or a spending plan the beating heart to a financial plan. If you've got that sorted and understanding where they are at the moment with that, then we can go where to from here to then, do you have money left over to invest or to put in super or to put towards X, Y, and Z? So the preparation before seeing a financial advisor, to summarize this, realistically, off the top of your head, most people should know their approximate financial situation. Like, I think I've got X amount saved. I've got X amount in super. 
our mortgage is about this, the house is worth that. It would only be if you wanted to proceed with some formal advice, that advisor then for the type of advice that you need would instruct you the exact micro information that they would need. That's right. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So that's all well and good. You're having either a 15-minute consult with any advisor anywhere around Australia or with your team or even in the deep dive hour session. Here's one from Joel. What questions are worth asking an advisor in an initial consult to get the most out of the process? I love this question because I think this is very important to make sure that you are finding the right fit for you and your situation. I would always encourage people to ask that advisor just about them. Like what sort of specialty area are you working? Do you work with a type of client? So for example, I specialize in working with millennials. Maybe you've called a practice or a business that specialize in retirement advice and maybe that straight away you're like, oh, no, stop. This is not the right fit. Um, their process. I think that that's really important to understand because it's not something that happens overnight. That is another thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is good quality financial advice takes time. So understanding their process, the timeframes around that, what's involved. Another important question is how do you charge? What does that look like? Is it appointment by appointment? Is it all up front? Are there payment plans? Do you charge out of pocket? Do you charge from super? Which is not something that you can charge all the fee on, just an FYI. Things like that to understand what does that actually look like before you make the next step. Um, another question is, is there anything that you can't or don't advise on? So coming back to the SMSF conversation, are you accredited to do X, Y, and Z? Or this is my situation, can you help me? Um, possibly what their experience is like, You know how long they've been an advisor for, a bit about them. Uh, you could ask about if you're interested about their licensee. So are they aligned with, say, a bank or are they independent or are they um, working in a particular area? So those kind of questions as well, I think, are really valuable. So just on the question on experience, like I 100% get that there will be people that, you know, I talked about car mechanic before, start and be a car mechanic and be an apprentice. I was an apprentice once. We've all got to start somewhere, right? But because I refer a lot of our listeners to different financial advisors, on my website, sortyourmoneyout.com, when you click get help and you know you can put your info there and I'll refer you to an appropriate advisor. Like as you said, if someone's like, I need, I'm 55, need retirement advice, I'm not sending them to sufficient funds. Or if someone's like, I need an advisor for mum and dad in Melbourne, I'll send them to an advisor in Melbourne who does that. But what I've done is any advisor that I send my listeners to, has at least five years experience as a practicing financial advisor because I just need less drama in my life and I can't have people practicing on my listeners. And, you know, you've been in the industry over 10 years and been an advisor yourself for seven years or more. So there is that experience there. And I think that's very valuable. Um, it's not to say like that someone younger isn't competent. It's just might be a question to ask around the experience or who do you most work with or I don't know. I remember my first clients I ever saw, I was uh, much younger than their children, which I remember sitting in front of me like, what am I doing? And like second guessing myself, but fake it till you make it. And here I am. <laughs> How funny, like one of my um, clients, you know, cause I started my business when I was 25, right? And 
you know, we've all got to start somewhere. This is all for the younger people who are in their careers and trying to get experience, like just back yourself. You're the professional. I remember a, a client of mine, when they first met me, they wanted some pre-retirement advice. And at the time I had um, orthodontics in, I was 27. And, you know, I just remember for a few years, I was a bit baby faced. I didn't have my beard and still had hair. And I just, because I would book in and walk in because I did a lot of pre-retirement advice because I love that type of work. And they'd always look at you and that instant look. But by the end of it, they loved you and I could really add value and help them. Anyway, this is a crazy long story short, but whatever. Um, I got a phone call the other day. It was a Saturday. I didn't know the number and I usually don't answer calls, but I was like, eh, I'll answer it, whatever. I don't know this number. Glenn, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, it's Jeff from Suburb. Uh, he used to be my financial advisor when we retired. I'm like 71 now or something, like he was 71 now. I'm like, oh yeah, Jeff, how are you? And how's, you know, Mrs. Jeff and all that stuff and... He's like, oh, I just wanted to call and say thanks so much for all your hard work and you really helped set us up. And we saw you on the Today Show and wanted to wish you congratulations for the new book. Um, I love that. That's awesome. Yeah, it was just like we've got into a bit of a hole, but it's a good question to ask experience. And just because they're young doesn't mean they're not good at what they do. But it was just a comment from me. I've got a standard that I'll only refer people to who have had experience. And just further to that, I just want to add to that, the the profession has changed quite significantly. It really has. Especially over the last five, 10 years. One thing now is you can't just get a, a diploma of financial services or financial planning and you can whip it up in a month and then off you go and you can give advice. It's not like that anymore. It's you need a degree, you need professional experience, you do a professional year. So even if you do happen to come across an advisor who you absolutely love and you're like, yep, this is my person, but they're two years in or whatever it might be, businesses now have structures where they have a supervised year. Maybe they are an associate advisor and they're linked up with a senior advisor and they're getting a lot of coaching and a lot of mentoring as part of that. So just because they are relatively young doesn't necessarily mean they don't know what they're saying or they're not supported by the place that they're employed or whatever that might look like. Yeah, that's a good point there. Abhinav asked, is there a difference between financial planner and advisor? No. Um, I can be called a financial advisor or a planner. It really comes down to personal preference. Um, the words financial planner or advisor are enshrined in law. So you actually legally cannot call yourself a financial advisor or planner unless you are qualified and licensed to do so. Someone actually emailed in, had a go at me the other day because I was referred to as a financial advisor uh, by someone else. <laughs> like I saw that. in the news or somewhere. Yeah. It must have been public then, was it? It was on the Today Show. Yes, yes. Because I saw it and I was like, no, he's not. Yeah, that's right. So I have, a really, I have a really hard time. It's not illegal for someone else to call me one if they've read my bio wrong and you know, every journalist in the world thinks everyone's a financial advisor because they talk about money. But I can't and do not refer to me as a financial advisor. Yeah, it's an interesting one. And I see articles written in you know, different social media or news outlets all the time saying financial advisor this and I'm like, that they weren't. But yeah. I think like anything with the media, it's, you know. Well, journalists don't are, know. Yeah, they, they don't. don't know that the, you know, micro things, but it's just funny. Yeah, it was after that TV appearance, someone complained to me about Glenn calls himself a fun. No, I actually don't, but I can't control what other people say about me. So get a grip. And just ask if you are inquiring with someone, make sure you get their financial services guide, make sure they have an AFSL number. So they're legit, essentially. Mm, yep. 
Um, one thing we haven't talked about is you have not once said that you can get people the best investment returns. That's right, because no one can guarantee that past performance is not an indicator of future performance. <laughs> but isn't it a job for a financial advisor just to get the best return possible for their situation? The investment advice would be what's most appropriate for them and their goals at right. the end of the day. So you don't control the world markets, is that what you're saying? <laughs> I don't have a crystal ball, no. <laughs> so, and that's a that's a really misconception that, and I don't know if it is a legacy thing from people's parents growing up in the greed is good, wolf of Wall Street, stockbroker, everyone's a, you know, a stockbroker, all financial advisor does is is get good investment returns. The amount of times that I would go to like parties and people would say, oh, so Glenn, what stocks are the best to buy and all this and like, what do you think about? I've got no idea. I just invest monthly in a diversified fund and, you know, I don't control the world. So realistically, in terms of when you, because you will make a recommendation for a client, how do you make a recommendation into a, a an ETF or a managed fund? Like, what do you look at? First of all, looking at their separated goals. So there could be a few different things working side by side. One of the most important parts of the job of a financial advisor is to help manage risk for people. So understanding what is their risk appetite, what's their risk profile. It could be different for short-term goals, medium-term, long-term, superannuation. It could look different. So identifying those different pieces and going, okay, where are we looking at on the scale of risk? If you're like most people, you will find that the pain of loss outweighs the pleasure you get from gain. And if that's the case, you can manage your portfolio to reduce the pain to a level that you can manage even during truly bad market downturns. So for me as an advisor, it's getting an understanding of, well, where do you lie in terms of how comfortable you are with market risks or potentially some losses or volatility as part of your portfolio? Where does your limit lie? And then for each individual goal, timeframe is also a massive part of that. So if it's something like superannuation, which you can't access until you're 60 at this stage, Perhaps that is something that you feel a bit more comfortable to take some risk because you can, you're not relying on that money in the short term. If you have a goal to purchase a property in the next few years, then maybe investing in shares is not the best thing for you. Maybe it is managing that risk a bit more um, defensively and looking at, well, how can we make sure your money's parked somewhere where it is making the most out of that cash savings, but it's not just kind of sitting there in a 0.01% cash account doing nothing. So Mm. it's about managing time frame and risk and comfortability of each client. Yeah. And like we said at the start, like it's just such poor form to go straight into product and solution mode because- the investment products and platforms will take care of itself. And in terms of like, people might think, oh, if I go to a financial advisor, aren't they going to shove me in what makes the most money for them? No, because there's no hidden commissions. You charge a fee for advice and you will research the most appropriate platform or investment product for that person. That's right. And also getting preferences as well is really important. Some clients really want something very simple and low cost and easy to manage going forward. Some people really like getting a bit more tricky and complex with their investment portfolio. Maybe they want some active management. So that is part of the process where I'm measuring as well preferences around those, you know, is there an ethical standpoint that we're looking at? All of those things are taken in consideration as well. But like it really, it really doesn't matter to most advisors and particularly ones that I refer people to. If someone's like, you know, my dad was a manager at Macquarie for a million years and I just wanted a Macquarie investment platform. 
you'll be like, all right. Yep. <laughs> like, sure, I can exactly. show you that it might not be most appropriate in terms of fees and it's got bells and whistles that you don't need, but whatever, like... Yeah, if that's important to them and they want that, yeah. then let's go for it. Like, because you charge a fee and you don't get any hidden commission from investment products and, you know, all that random wild stuff of the bad old days, it doesn't actually matter. And even with insurance, if you guys do insurance for people, you don't get more commission from insurance providers because it's legislated that it's the same amount with any insurance company. That's right. And in terms of product selection, I legally have to research any product you have, any product on my approved products list and anything that you specifically request as well. So there is a very, very heavy backend research selection process that we go through to come up with the basis of my recommendations uh, for the most appropriate for your situation. Yeah. And just in terms of the approved product list, um, you have a, a license, you're a licensed financial advisor. That's correct. Your licensee, the the company who I guess does the communication with ASIC and provides you with the license to give advice, it's a function of the world that they've got a, an approved product list that they've researched the platforms, the investment products, and there's a suite of products that you can recommend to people day in, day out. But if there is a product that you see that is most appropriate for the client that isn't on the quote-unquote approved product list, you can still recommend that. That's right. I can get a non-APL approval. So I can just justify this is the most appropriate because of these reasons. Here's the research, the justification, and we're all good to go. Yeah. So there, like, there are so many myths out there about advisors just shoving people into the one product and it's just categorically incorrect. Like, so for me, get this, when I was an advisor, the company that I was licensed through was owned by National Australia Bank, right? National Australia Bank, they had products. Most of my products that I recommended for people <laughs> wasn't with National Australia Bank brands. Like, because for me, it was a function of what's most appropriate for the client. I paid a license fee, they did all my licensing, and then I would have an approved product list and there were so many times that if the product was part of the NAV group, awesome. If the shoe fit and we justified it to the client, all that to say, I'm just, you know, ranting, but it's always client first because I was getting paid from the client to make recommendations that was most appropriate for them. So really like no skin off my nose if I recommended a product that wasn't on my quote unquote APL. Alyssa said, what are some steps slash investments slash habits that can be implemented really easily, but will really help to create slash increase wealth? Think big bang for your buck slash time slash effort tips. Do you want to maybe shoot off some things that could be some um, low hanging fruit for people? Yeah. Yeah. I've said this a couple of times that getting a good cash flow system in place, like I said before, this is really the beating heart to the rest of your money situation and decisions. With that, off the back of that, spend less than you earn. I know that sounds easier said than done, but that is key. If you can spend less than you earn, you're in a very good uh, way to start then making decisions from there. 
Uh, another tip, I'd say pay cash, not credit. Um, not like physical cold hard cash, but mm. uh, making sure that you are factoring in that. And off the back of that, that really is just forming those good habits. It's that mindful spending is what I like to talk about. It's the planned for expenses. I also think with that, if you're factoring that in, it actually helps eliminate any of those guilty purchases. So if you have a hobby that you want to do or you enjoy buying a nice bottle of wine, it's factored in there and you're not getting into debt to fund these things and you're not doing these things feeling guilty. You can actually go into it feeling excited and be like, this is good without thinking about that wasn't factored in. Mm. Um, getting into consumer debt obviously does not help with your credit score or towards your future goals. That's another point there. Uh, another tip, always have an emergency fund of at least three months of your expenses. That's a big key there. So at least it alleviate, alleviates financial pressure in those circumstances. Another tip I'd say is guard your health and protect your wealth. That sounds cheesy, I know, but insurances is something. As soon as you earn an income, no matter what situation is, you might not think you need insurances. It is so, so important. I have seen time and time again on both ends of when people do have insurance, when people don't have insurance, it's heartbreaking when they don't have insurance and they realize that they really should have. So it's something that you need to get out and get sorted today. Um, another tip I'd say is looking after future you. So one thing that I talk about with clients is aging population, the rising cost of living, making sure you're enjoying your life now, but you are thinking about future you as well, because it's only going to keep rising in terms of cost of living and things that you want to do and that will make you happy over time. Plan for that now. So when it gets to that point, you can enjoy those things in the future. Um, I would also say diversifying is a really important tip as well. So not just diversifying investments, but diversifying your goals. So you're not just focused on one thing and when you reach it, there's nothing else sort of going on in your life. Just having a few different things that you can look forward to or that you're working towards is also really good. Um, in saying that, everything in moderation. I have balance because it's just like Glenn, if I said to you, for the next three months, you are to eat only almonds and salad. I know I wouldn't stick to that, would you? No. So I think it's the same with money. You need to have that balance. You need to also enjoy your money and you work hard for it. So enjoy it, but enjoy it in moderation, plan for it, be mindful about that spending. Um, I felt like money is about emotions at the end of the mm. day. It's not just finance. Anxiety or avoidance of money issues may create those sort of vicious cycles. So understanding your money journey, what your upbringing could have had effect on, for example, and mm. be like, be compassionate with yourself. Things can change and it's not going to happen overnight, but creating habits, seeking advice for support is something that can really help you improve that. Um, the last tip I'd want to share was to stay in your own lane. So mm. don't try and keep up with the Joneses because every time you get close, someone else is just going to raise the bar. I would say make your financial decisions based on what you want and what you can afford, not on what you think you should do to keep up. Because if you focus on things that bring you joy, you won't feel the need to keep up with other people. And I know there's always those questions of, oh, you know, well, what do you do, Cara, personally? Or I've got this friend or family member who bought their first property. I want that. Well, is it what you want or is it because you're looking at that and comparing? So I think just run your own race and do things that are important to you instead of what you think you have to be doing. Emily asked, what do you wish all of your clients knew? Oh, that's a good question. So coming back to, I guess, touching on this before is just committing to the pro process. So 
getting advice is not a magic solution. You need to be committed. Um, I'm not going to be telling you what's important. I can help facilitate that. I can ask lots of questions to dig deep to help you uncover those things. But at the end of the day, it's what's important to you. Um, I guess one of the other things that I know myself and a lot of other financial advisors feel is there's not really much of a understanding around what goes on behind the scenes. And these kind of episodes like this really helps with that. But the work doesn't just stop in that hour or two, whatever it might be that we meet. There are so many hours that get put into financial plans, financial advice, strategies behind the scenes. So I could meet with you for one hour. Off the back of that, myself and my team will be putting hours and hours and hours into the work. So it's not, like I mentioned earlier, it's not a quick fix. It is something that does take time to get good quality advice. Um, so kind of having that understanding that, yeah, if I'm, if I'm going to do this, I know it takes time, but it will be worth it in the end. So good. Dallin asks, do financial advisors need their own financial advisors or advice? And a follow-up, do I really need one if I'm happy with my finances? Oh, I love this question. Um, I don't personally have a financial advisor. However, I think technically speaking, if we separate this into goals, emotional decisions and financial strategies, I'm across financial strategies. So, I don't need I don't feel I need support in that. I feel like I can do that technical part myself. At the end of the day, I am human. So when emotions come into financial decisions, it's funny sometimes when I, you know, I'm making a transaction or investment or I'm even at the end of last financial year, I was maxing out my super contributions and thinking about first home super saver because that's appropriate for my situation. I was sitting there looking at the submit button and I was like, is this the right thing for me? And I even was chatting to a few financial advisor friends and we were laughing because I'm like, I do this every day for everyone else. But when it comes to your own situation, that emotion and human element comes into it. So no, I don't have a financial advisor, but I do reach out to other professionals. So for example, like I have a chat now and again with John Pigeon about property in terms of like getting a clarity call, or I have an accountant to manage my own accounting and like affairs, tax affairs. And I speak to other financial advisors from a goals perspective to get second opinions. So um, we're all human at the end of the day. And it's good to have that second person, you know, looking in from the outside and talking you down in terms of those uh, other options that might be available. So that's, yeah, I don't have a financial advisor, but in a way I, you know, reach out to people that I trust in terms of getting the extra support when I need it, when I feel like I want a second opinion. Yeah. And that's a question like, I'll just scroll up here. I just saw a question from Candy. Is it worth seeing a financial advisor for once off help, like to get your budget or goals on track? So- Every time you see a client and if they did the defining sufficient meeting and there is a genuine need for advice, are you trying to get your claws into every friggin' person and sign them up for ongoing coaching and support for eternity and... Because a lot of people don't need it, no. Yeah, and that's the... And this is why I like good people in my sphere of influence that I can, you know, refer people to. You might have a situation where you need some once-off advice, you'll pay for that advice, you'll get on with your life. Not always do you need to pay for advice ongoing. That's right. And I like to refer to it as in, let's get all of this. Maybe it's more so getting your foundation sorted and really getting yourself on track for the next few years. And there's not really too much that's changing in those few years. So it's almost like once we go through that process, it's everything's been implemented. We've planted those seeds. Now we wait for them to grow. And when they've sprouted, when they're blossoming, that's when perhaps is the right time for you to come back in a few years to 
review that or plan for the next thing. Yeah, because I'm kind of the same. Like, I don't have a financial advisor over all of my affairs. I've got a sizable equity allocation that I've got a financial advisor looking after that model portfolio because I know without a shadow of a doubt, if Glennie J gets his mitts in there, he's going to try and fix it and he's going to try and make it better. So I pay an advisor ongoing for that and they're there, they they help with any of my insurance admin, like if I need to change a bank account or my trauma or my income protection, they sort that out for me. Um, they manage a big chunk of the portfolio for me. But, you know, my property advice, like you, I'll plug John Pigeon in. Or if I need to bounce something off someone, I'll call your boss, James Millard, and be like, hey, am I crazy or... So I, I'm a bit of an ad hoc, but not everyone needs an advisor. But there are times where you need advice. That's the difference, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like I said before earlier, I'll always call it out if there's something that I go, You've, you're good, you're sorted, you don't need me. Mm. Maybe there's other areas that I can refer you out to to get further support. You know, we've covered a lot of ground over the last little while together. Was there anything that I maybe didn't ask you that you want to maybe just comment on or final thoughts or something that I said that was BS that you want to correct me on? <laughs> You're welcome to do that. No, I think we've covered a lot of things. And uh, of course, if you've got any questions that you'd like that we didn't cover today, please feel free to reach out. Like I mentioned, the 15-minute call is there. It's only going to cost you 15 minutes of your life. So yeah, reach out if you do have any other questions that we haven't asked and we can go through that. And even that kind of the session that you legitimately charge for, at the end of that session, is there like a written kind of, look, from following our chat, this is the things that we have identified. Like you'll actually give someone almost a little summary just for them. We give them the summary. It's really mapping out their goals. They can see what we've gone gone through in that Mm. session. Uh, They can print it out, use it as motivation. It's a good chance for them to reflect on that between now and that next session. Uh, It'll also have the next steps forward from there. So what does that look like going forward? What were the areas of advice we discussed? And the instructions in terms of kicking that off from there. Yeah. And remember, if you are in Newcastle and you're a couple, but if you're not, even if you want to, maybe we'll just try and find someone in Newcastle because I want to do it face-to-face in person with James just to show people what this session is like. Uh, Email the team, team at sortyourmoneyout.com. Maybe if you are a bit ambitious and you want to drive an hour, if you live an hour away from Newcastle, I just want a couple of people. James is going to kill me, but whatever. Um, Because I want to record another in-depth goal session with an advisor. Because what I'm getting at today, I want everyone to know that don't be fearful, don't be scared. Go on the Sufficient Farms website. Just get a bit of a vibe. It's not as expensive as you think. Sure, if you do proceed down an advice road, you know, it might be in the couple of grand, but don't worry about that just yet. Don't be scared. Cara, you're pretty friendly. You haven't bit my head off for asking you questions. You're not biting, all that stuff. And, you know, if you do want to reach out, please, we'll put a link in the show notes. Book a 15-minute call with James, Cara, with Mike. There's a team of advisors. They've got lots of capacity and, yeah, you're in great hands. Cara, thank you so much for coming on My Millennial Money today. Thank you so much for having me, Glenn. We'll see you soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. 
My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.